We are starting in five, four, three, two, one. Broadcast starting. Good job. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Do it. Do it. Come on, kill me. I'm here. Come on, do it now. Kill me. And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. So it's $10 for a BJ, $12 for an HJ, $15 for a ZJ. What's a ZJ? If <laughs> you have to ask, big man, you can't afford it. No. Why not? Because it's too complicated. It's like algebra. Why you got to put numbers and letters together? Why can't you just go fuck yourself? This is called Pirate Radio. But, Peter, why would they make you president? Well, maybe it's because I can recite all 50 states in a quarter of a second. Hey! Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? This is called Pirate Radio. Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns are for jerks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzford. <laughs> I'm totally going to use that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this is The Great Geek Refuge. It's our website, it's our podcast, it's all of those wonderful things. In fact, the podcast is called GGR Pirate Radio. We have a fantastic show coming up for you this evening. I have got with me, as always, Mr. Steve Monick, the co-host and co-creator of GGR. I think in honor of Captain Marvel, we should just call me, like, Mon Nick, like M-O-N hyphen N-I-C-H. Like they all do for their different Cree names. <laughs> if that's what you want, if that's what you want to go with, okay. <laughs> I immediately regret saying that. <laughs> Just like the bucket of chicken thing, Steve. Um, oh, we've, no. <laughs> we've also got we've got lead contributor, uh, movie goer, uh, Comic Con goer, the, the only guy that actually gets out of his house at GGR. His name is MC Brooks. G-Spag of B-Don't. <laughs> We've also got joining a special guest and friend of GGR, uh, host of the Fantastic Forum. He is host of uh, Arlington in the Morning on WERA 96.7 out of Arlington, Virginia. Uh, you can check it out at WERA.FM. You can also check out Fantastic Forum at FantasticForum.tv. His name is Ulysses E. Campbell. Thank you very much for that glowing introduction, Mike Lunsford. It only took me three takes to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, fellas, um, before we get started, um, I just want to make a tip of the hat to Jan Michael Vincent. Uh, now, this guy died almost a month ago, but apparently we're just hearing about it now. Of course, Jan Michael Vincent, uh, you know, it, he had been in a bunch of TV shows during the 1960s, uh, but rose to prominence in the 1970s in such movies uh, as White Line Fever and Baby Blue Marine and Damnation Alley. But he was best known as having played the uh, you know, a reclusive 
helicopter pilot Stringfellow Hawk in the 1980s, now cult classic series, Airwolf. And apparently he died of a heart attack back on February 10th. And, uh, you know, had a lot of issues. He had had a leg amputated in recent years. Oh had gosh. various problems with uh, substance abuse and all kinds of stuff. He had kind of fallen on hard times. But I really loved this man's work from back when I first saw him in the Danger Island vignettes on the Banana Splits Adventure Hour <laughs> on Saturday mornings. And, uh, you know, so just tip of the hat to the late Jan Michael Vincent. Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, uh, rest in peace. Jan Michael Vincent and uh, the best to his family in this uh, in this very difficult time, I'm sure for them. Um, when you said that, because I didn't know who that was, my brain immediately thought it's like, was that the dude that played the Green Ranger? And I was like, no, that's Jason David Frank. And I would have been like, man, that's a hit to my childhood if that just happened. But no, I think that dude's like fine. So, <laughs> well, I'm glad it didn't have to be that hit to, <laughs> to your childhood, Steve. That would have really sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yes, in in the scenario of who we're talking about, that would have sucked for me, instead of Jan Michael Vincent. <laughs> Poor guy. Dude, I used to love I used to love Airwolf when I was a kid, man. That was a that was a great show. I remember it used to come on USA, um, as a when I was a kid, and I would watch it when I came home from school. So, um, yeah, I mean, and we we got him, and uh, that was also featuring Ernest Borgnine too, who yes, mm-hmm. was. Uh, as as I've I've gotten to teach Jax about as he watches SpongeBob all the time, I was like, Jax, you know who the voice of uh, of uh, Mermaid Man is? I was like, that's uh, this guy Ernest Borgnine. Well, who's Ernest Borgnine? Well, he used to be a hard ass, and then all of a sudden he became a comedian in like the eighties and nineties. It's cool, dude. Just... You know, it's funny. The first thing I saw Ernest Borgnine in, and because you always associate these actors with the first role, but it was McHale's Navy. Yeah, you know, old. Uh, you know, in fact. Now, you want to talk about some uh, <laughs> culturally insensitive stuff <laughs> because, uh, you know, they were um, uh, Lieutenant Commander Quentin McHale was the commander of a PT boat in the South Pacific during World War Two. I mean, this was the days you could have a half hour comedy series about war the somebody's exploits in World War Two. You know, none worse than Hogan's Heroes, but we'll step aside from that for a second. But yeah, so uh, the, the, the culturally insensitive element to McHale's Navy, they had a Japanese POW uh, who was their cook, and uh, this guy named Fuji. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, oh, <laughs> <terrible. laughs> it was just, terrible. Let's but just that let that one die. <laughs> yeah, that was the only way that you had Asians on television. I mean, it's like Bonanza with Hop Singh. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm hard pressed to come up with some of the, but they were always, you know, these, uh, very stereotypical kind of, uh, Asians and, uh, Fuji was no exception. In fact, they had him running around in a shirt that said POW and he was like the butt of jokes and, you know, sort of like the mascot of the PT boat or something. So the mascot of the PT boat. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> on, on that note, let's get into the topics that we got going on for this evening. Um, for all us DC folk, I want to talk about um, the man who shall not be named ever again after this episode. Uh, he broke all of our hearts and he went to Philadelphia, of all places. His name is Bryce Harper. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that because honestly, he's not as much of a villain um, as I think a lot of people are painting him to be. Uh, I, I think it's a layered, nuanced situation. And then, as always, we'll just do our regular geeky round table thing that we do when we're here at the diner. So let's go ahead and kick things off here. Uh, let's talk about Bryce Harper, guys. Um, at first, 
at first glance, you would think that this, that he's the villain. The Bryce Harper, oh, how dare he go to Philadelphia of all places? Why choose Philadelphia, <laughs> the, one of the biggest rivals of Washington? Uh, that what, what a slap in the face that was. Um, at first, that was my first reaction. That was my, that was my knee-jerk reaction. And then I read about the contract offer that the Nationals actually gave him, which was mm. – it was $300 million over 10 years, which is still an assload of money. But what happened but. was <laughs> – But, yes. They deferred a ridiculous amount of it. It was, it was a couple hundred thousand that was deferred, which if you're unfamiliar with what that means, basically what they were saying is, is like, yeah, you'll get this money when you're like 50 or 60. So it was very like – I wouldn't say it was a shady contract. But there was definitely... I some, would. Some, <laughs> there was some things going on with it, for sure, that were not on on the up and up. Um, and in fact, as you find out later, this is not an uncommon thing for the Washington Nationals. They actually do this a lot with their players. Max Scherzer has a deferred deal. Uh, Steven Strasburg has a deferred deal. Um, so you, you kind of are wondering, you're like, well, maybe this was the Nationals' fault. Um and then we find out later, MC, actually, you, you messaged me about this. I heard this on the radio, but you messaged me about it, so I know that you're hip to it as well. There was more to it than just that first offer. This is not like this was the Nats' last and final offer to Bryce Harper. What else did we find out about this? I'm, I'm really unsure what you're referencing. <laughs> okay, fine. I got it. Um, it turns out that they offered this to Bryce Harper in, like, October, like November, oh, like right oh, after the oh, World yeah, Series that's ended. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. So originally, they um, they they wanted to get a deal done immediately after the the season was over with. Um, their first order of business was, you know, obviously, uh, we want Bryce to be here. At least that's publicly what uh, the GM has said. We wanted Bryce to be here, so we're going to give him this offer. And at that point. I mean, like Mike, like you said, Mike. It's I mean, it's a boatload of money on the surface until you find out about the deferments. But uh, Bryce and uh, what's his agent's name? Boris Scott Boris. Yeah, they uh, the uh, the flip side of that is they actually never counter offered to that original offer that the Nationals gave. And even though there was a lot of information kind of roaming around about about Boris, you know, because Boris and the learners have such a good relationship that, you know, Boris is just trying to use other teams as leverage to maybe get the Nats to be all, uh, to be all in again. Uh, they had actually had no further contact after that, uh, that after, after the offer was given. Yeah. So that really just makes it seem very like, it seems like Bryce had already made his mind up, you know, that he did not want to come back to DC. If, essentially that's what was happening like he he didn't even ask for another offer like he, he didn't counter offer didn't like say well listen guys how about you not give me so much of this money as a, as a deferment how about you give it to me up front no nothing right. he was just like oh that's your offer okay bye at the same time too that is kind of on the nats like they shouldn't have offered that crap if they didn't actually want him to take it you know what i mean right uh, and uh, good yeah, it just, it's, the whole thing just, it stinks, and, like, we were talking about this earlier when we were talking about Captain Marvel, it just reeks of a, of a simpler time when I was a kid when, like, if a, t- if a player left in free agency and left my team, I hated him because he left my team, and now that I know so much more, it's just, like, I kind of hate my team, and it kind of makes me not long for the days of, but, like, I definitely remember thinking, like, 
with anybody who left, like, you know, the, the football team or the baseball team, um, that it was just, oh, they're the bad guy, obviously. They're just greedy and they want more money. And, you know, the, the altruistic sports team that could never, ever possibly be wrong, there's no way that they could have done anything wrong. It's, yeah, no, it's not that it, simple. It, <laughs> it, I mean, honestly, it kind of, the more I thought about it in the last couple of days, I really thought about actually some of the things that I was saying a year ago about the the Nationals and Bryce because we knew that this time was coming. Like his contract was going to be up and we're going to have to figure figure out what they're going to do. And I remember just a year ago, the Nationals kind of like Bryce had it was it, it had been reported that Bryce wanted to be here and that's where that initial 400 million dollar number came from uh was from a year ago going into free agency because we uh because we knew bryce had a year left on the deal and i think the nationals responded to these reports by uh signing adam eaton for one and two basically kind of brushing off that number like yeah we're yeah there's zero chance we're gonna give you four we're gonna give anybody 400 million and so from Bryce's perspective I could kind of I I could kind of feel the disrespect because he didn't have a good year last year um but I think up until I think up until that point sans the the year that he he missed a bunch of time because he was injured uh that he had that he had done a lot for this franchise I mean he was the superstar player here he was he was the guy putting butts in seats for the most part and so i could understand from from bryce's perspective kind of feeling disrespected that you know of course you want to max out you know you want to aim high the team counters that you kind of meet in the middle as far as what your contract is going to end up being and i can understand bryce feeling disrespected that the nats just a year ago laughed at the idea of giving him a huge a huge sum of money so I can understand, okay, he didn't have the best year, but then the offer that they do offer while on the surface, again, it seems nice. 10 years, $300 million, going to be making a, a lot of that well into later in life. He's only 26 years old. I mean, personally, I would take that deal if I could be getting paid until my into my 50s. That sounds dope. Yeah, but, right? Like, we, we laugh at the Bobby Bonilla <laughs> deal, but Bobby Bonilla gets a million dollars a year for, for a long yeah. time. Like, Yeah, I mean, yeah. so, I mean, like, I, 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 I would be happy with that. But, I can, also, but I, I can also understand from a player, you're 26 years old, and when you've done it now, you want to have the money now because if something happens to you, it doesn't do you any good that that, that money is going to be going into your 50 and something happens and you're not going to be around to see it. So I can understand wanting to get your money up front so that you know you have, you know, the majority of the the money that you're supposed to be getting over the course over the course of the deal. I want to um, ask um I want to ask Yuli and I want to ask Steve on this because they're both going to have completely different perspectives. Um let me start with Steve. Steve, as somebody who lives in a city that is not known for its freewheeling um purse strings when it comes to the sports mm-hmm. teams because the the Steelers are not blowing out the payroll every single year the Pirates are, are a small market team they don't have the big money like the Yankees which is why Yuli is going to follow this up because he's a Yankees <laughs> fan um, is this what it feels like pretty much every year with the Pirates where it's just like well we had a great player that we couldn't pay for and so long you know is 
is is, is there a, a kind of temporariness to, to all of the baseball? Because you just know it's just a matter of a time before the Yankees or the Red Sox or some other um, big spending team is going to snatch up one of your star players. That's that's a very interesting question. Um, the first thing I want to hit, though, real quick, the Bobby Bonilla deal. I I disagree with the um, deferred as a good thing because on a deferred deal, they have a fixed interest rate of around 5%, where if you get it all up front and then you can invest it, you're more likely going to beat that 5% in the market. I see and the compounding okay. interest is yeah. going to get you way more money up front if you're just talking a dollars and cents thing. But that's super nerdy and no one gives a crap about that. Um, that's good, though. From it's perspective. The, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> from, the, from the pirate side of thing, one of the things that's very interesting, like talking about like loyalty of a fan base, during that stretch of basically the first two-thirds of my life where we were sub-500, the Pirates uh, were one of usually like I think they averaged a top five like earning team as far as like ticket sales, jersey sales, like that kind of stuff as far as like the income for the actual franchise. So despite the fact that they sucked and could never keep a guy or if we did have a good player, we usually traded him away in the prime of his career, that kind of stuff. It just seemed like, you know, we still maintained a loyalty as far as the fan base goes. But you're absolutely right. Whether it's the Pens, the Steelers, or the Pirates, like none of the teams in this city make like big, splashy franchise shattering moves. Like we never trade like 47 draft picks to get a guy in the draft, or we never pay <laughs> 400 million dollars to 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 bring in one player, you know, to play outfield or whatever. We never, um, you know, make insane moves at the trade deadline, you know, to to put you know move you know somebody next to crosby or to, to chase another cup or whatever i mean the teams always make moves they definitely do things strategically but they're never big splashy headline things and obviously we're seeing right now like with bell and brown both wanting to leave like we're not good at it like this is a this has been a nightmare as far as like the off-season stuff and i hate it i i can't stand it like i want to go back to like not talking about the steelers and oh yeah they signed some defensive lineman or the pirates picked up like another relief pitcher who cares like that no one's talking about it um because it's not that they're averse to spending money on any of their franchises it's just that i think they i don't know i feel like this whole city likes to let the scoreboard do the talking and ever since the steelers locker room has become an open book it's obviously shown that it's not good for the team because we'd miss the playoffs this year and there's all this turmoil and stuff. And I think we should go back to being like, hey, let's like let all this hardware do the talking for us instead of being a bunch of loudmouths. Let's stop trying to make headlines and stuff because that's not this city. OK, I mean, that's 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 fair enough. And and this works out perfectly because Yuli as and, and it's not a knock on the Yankees as a franchise or New York as a city, but in the Steinbrenner area, especially if there was a player and there was a need. George Steinbrenner was like, I don't care how much it costs. Get me that guy. That's Alex Rodriguez. That's Reggie Jackson. That's Dave Winfield. That's Wade Boggs. Like that. That's so many players that came through Yankee Stadium and, and wore the pinstripes. Like, is, is this a different feeling for you? Do you just kind of chuckle and you're just like, huh, you guys couldn't afford a player? Huh, my team always affords players. Like, is that kind of the perspective you have with the Yankees where it's like, we will get who we want because we're the Yankees? Well, 
you know, it, all right, some of the guys you mentioned, and, you know, certainly as a big market team, and not just any big market team, because, you know, there are a lot of, te- I mean, the Red Sox, uh, you know, the Dodgers, I mean, there are a lot of teams that are able to spend money, but as the winningest franchise in Major League <laughs> Baseball history. I had to throw that in. You know, uh, yeah, hey, you know, it's like 27 World Subtle Cups, flex. You know, I mean, it's, exactly. you know, you look over, over, and consider this now, over a hundred year period, on average, once every Yankees have lost more World Series than most teams team is uh, the, uh, the the Cardinals and they've got like 12 you know so it's like wow you know anyway but um, so the the perspective is a little different uh, for the Yankees now the other thing is of the guys you mentioned I mean you certainly the Reggie Jackson acquisition you know was big uh, as it turned out the A-Rod acquisition wasn't as big as we had hoped um, you know, but some of those guys, when we got him like Wade Boggs, hell, when we got him, he was toward the end of his career. You know, the same thing with, um, oh, crap, what's his face? The pitcher who had played for um, Boston. You know, uh, and he Roger actually, Clemens. Uh, Clemens, thank you. you know, uh, Rocket, yeah, yeah. He ended up, uh, you know, being pretty good, you know, got some more World Series uh, with him. But, you know, there were guys that we would pick up like Chuck Knobloch, you know, who wasn't, oh, wow, you got Chuck Knobloch. That's like the last piece of the puzzle. I mean, it wasn't like that. I mean, but the Yankees have, frankly, they have preferred to develop through uh, normal means, through their, uh, you know, fr- uh, farm clubs and call people up and all that, you know, get good um, prospects and develop them, you know? I mean, that's how you get a guy like, that's how you get an Aaron Judge. You don't trade for Aaron Judge. You know, you want to get this guy. You know, same thing with uh, the captain, Derek Jeter. You know, you get them when they're young, you bring them up, you bring them on, and then they, they, they light up because, you know, part of what they want to do is play for the New York Yankees. Who doesn't want to wear those real pinstripes, you know? So, um, yeah, so, but I understand what you mean, and, you know, simply because they can afford to doesn't necessarily mean they will, but I think, uh, your question uh, suggests, on a broader sense, that a um, that a championship can be bought if you have enough players. Now, I think one could certainly make the argument, uh, looking at some of those um, uh, Marlins teams, for example, you know, where they bring these guys in for one year, the Marlins win it all, and then they get rid of everybody the next year. Um, I, I don't know that consistently you can do that, and especially outside of baseball. I mean, it's been tried with football in terms of bringing in a bunch of number one, uh, you know, the traditional one, number one picks and all that, you know, with, with no success whatsoever. So, um, but hey, but I mean, but having the money, oh, that's great if you can afford, hell, because really it, the A-Rod thing, that was more, that was less about acquiring him the, than keeping him away from the Red Sox. Yeah. Where you know he also would have been, have been likely to sign, but um, you know a, a, as far as uh, looking at um, a, a Harper, uh, you know hey, it, it, sports isn't what it used to be. I mean, all you young guys, man, I remember the days when you know you, people didn't change teams. I mean, who you played for was who you played for, and you were just with them forever, you know. And then and, hey, honestly, uh, the the owners of these teams is what messed it up because the first time somebody paid a guy a whole bunch of money, hey, leave that team and come to my team, you know, now you've opened the floodgates. And why shouldn't a guy in his prime or who's producing be able to maximize what he is able to get, you know? I mean, and what loyalty does he have 
to any franchise in particular other than the money that they're paying him. You know, I mean, I know fans of the, you know, the teams, we get all upset, you know, you see, especially, you know, one of those inner division things. That's like, man, now we got to play this guy all these different times during the year. But hey, I would also point out it's an opportunity to rake his ungrateful ass over the coals. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and for a, for a Harper, we'll see how well this works out for him. You know, I mean, because quite frankly, I think. Uh, the Phillies overpaid for him. I mean, there, there's a calculator, and I was trying to find this. I haven't been able to, to locate it, but I, I was reading an article about this a few weeks ago, and they were saying the actual number uh, that would have been more appropriate for Harper based on his current production was uh, over a 10-year period less $300 million, but more like 230 to $260 million for that period. Yeah, you were so, telling me that. Oh, that's all? <laughs> <laughs> well and there again steve you know that's like yeah i mean you know because the the figure that these guys command in the overall marketplace is crazy and i you know i know we're talking about baseball and harper but i would just remind folks of that uh, kirk cousins deal and not only how it has worked out so far for minnesota but the um the economics of the quarterback position in the nfl because uh, what a lot of people were saying uh, even before that contract, when the Redskins were looking at re-signing him, you know, they were like, well, he's not worth all that money. That's not even the question. Of course he's not worth the money. But you've got guys, I mean, all the, the top guys who are getting paid, I mean, at least at one point up until uh, I think uh, Cousins signed his contract, um, it was the guy in Detroit whose name uh, was... Matt Stafford. Yes, thank you. You know, And Steph, what in the hell has Matt Stafford ever won? Why was he getting $27 million a year? It's like, you got you put these stats up. If you have the stats in today's NFL, you command a certain salary at the quarterback position. That's just the economics of that position. So, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't begrudge anybody the right to earn their living, uh, you know, or to make as much money as they can. I mean, I think that all of us as fans need to sort of, A, manage our expectations as far as, what we're thinking this guy owes us or owes a city or owes a team. I mean, I, I want him to play as well as he can, you know, for the time that he is wearing the colors. But, um, you know, when, when, in a, hey, when the time comes, I mean, because you look at a franchise like the New England Patriots, and I, I don't care for New England, but they have been very shrewd at the way they sign players, even when they cut players. They're guys who still have gas in the tank. And they're letting them go, you know, and, you know, they're, they're trying to find people who fit a certain system. And you can't argue with it because, oh, well, geez, wow, what, they just won their sixth Super Bowl, you know, and have appeared in like three or four others. I mean, you know, over the life of the franchise, in fact, maybe five others. I mean, it's crazy. You know, the Patriots have established this level of excellence, you know, and the really good teams you know, like your Boston Red Sox, you know, the Yankees who are perennial, uh, you know, challengers. You know, you look at what they're doing and what they're doing in their front offices and how they're structured and, you know, how long they keep somebody and how they develop them and the farm teams and all that. Because it's a broader picture in terms of, of all of that stuff. And it's not because if you could buy a championship, I mean, we'd be seeing a lot more of it. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to being able to buy it but uh, hey it, the the inequity among baseball teams they still haven't and well actually i shouldn't say they still haven't figured out how to address it there's no will to address it and quite frankly i just felt like 
if you because I hated it when they came with the salary cap in football because you know the Redskins were one of those teams they had money and especially back yeah. when you know the Squire Jack Kent Cook owned them and you know they could drop a million a year on a on a specialist you know to you know a short yard yardage guy you know to come in and you know run the you know, just punch the ball in the end zone and pay somebody like a million dollars to do that you know it's a, you know it's a real situation that happened so um you know I, I i you just hope that you are a fan of one of those big market money teams you know although hey a, a squad like the bucks in uh, pittsburgh you know I, I can't argue with that because they have a loyal following and in fact that's how i know that you know because they're the pirates People call them the Bucks, so for Buccaneers, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a real homey kind of thing, man, you know. But, um, you know, the, the, the fans in western Pennsylvania are among the most loyal fans in the country. And they revere the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially the Steelers. The Steelers didn't ever make flashy trades. They were, you know, building through the draft. That was how you, you know, created this team, you know, that was at one point that had the most championships in the NFL, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I admire, you know, plucky teams from these smaller markets that have figured out how to compete uh, in the overall uh, landscape, because, you know, that's some good coaching. That's some good front officing to be able to do that stuff, man. That's no joke. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on, on that, too. Like, that's that's one of the things that I envy about uh, Pittsburgh, Steve. And, and I've told you this before, that like in this area especially because of the transient nature the DC has, you have a lot of people who just like have no loyalty or no like reason to associate with the area they're from. Like there's a lot of people that live in the Northern Virginia area that just don't care about their city. They don't care about their town. They don't care about their neighborhood because it's not actually theirs. It's just a place they're living. Most people who are in the greater Pittsburgh area are natives and they've been natives for a while. So that's their home. It's not just a place they live. It's not their house. It's their home. It's their city. And and they defend it in a way that like you often don't see. That's why you see um, so many um, football games at uh, FedEx Field filled by um, opposing team fans. Because there's really not a lot of, of local D.C. fans anymore. But not only that, on top of that, any local D.C. fans that used to root for the football team don't give a damn anymore because the team doesn't give a damn about them. So it's like, it's one of the things that I envy. I, I remember being a kid and like watching sports and man and seeing like a, a, an away game and being like, man, those fans are rabid and wishing that we had something like that and we never have. It, it's It stinks, but it's it's... I guess it's the balancing act, you know? Like, it, it's the same thing with with the Yankees. Like, if the Yankees get off to a rough start, yeah, they have this high payroll, but if they get off to, like, they win only, like, three of their first 20 games, um, Yankees fans are not patient, and they you will hear about it on the field immediately. And it's it's just an interesting balance that you get with these because the I feel like there's a loyalty that you get with that small market that you don't get with the big cities. Yep, and and to bring it to Bryce Harper, that's that's something I tweeted out the other day, which was DC fans were really nice to Bryce over the course of his time here. Oh yeah, he but got he got a he, free but pass. in going to Philly, yeah, in going to Philly, there there's no I'm gonna wear my Cowboys jersey to Eagle to an Eagle Stadium. Yeah, good luck with that, bro. Have oh, yeah. fun with that. You show you show oh, up at oh, a, at oh, a oh, Flyers game wearing for, a Vegas Knights jersey. You're yeah, getting cheesesteaks thrown at you. 
Yeah, I, I'm good. You know what? I'm gonna go two months, two months playing the worst baseball in my career, and you think you're not gonna hear it daily from Phil- Philadelphia media is way harsher than than anyone in DC is. <laughs> they are right. way harsher than we are, and so yeah, like you had it good here, but you're not you're you're not gonna skate by batting two you know uh, batting 210 for two months <laughs> especially after the, mo- the money you just got yeah did you good luck with that did you hear what john john walton is the radio voice of the washington capitals and the capitals were playing the flyers in philly two nights ago and i mean first off they just completely just blew the doors off the flyers they were up five nothing in the second period um but after the first two goals the caps scored um, and, and mind you, Bryce Harper's nowhere in the building. He's still in Clearwater, Florida in spring training. They announce on the big jumbotron, Philadelphia and the Flyers would like to welcome Bryce Harper to the city of Philadelphia. And Walton was just like, really? This is really tacky. Like, I'm sure you guys are going to love him when he's hitting 250 and 19 strikeouts in a row in the month of June. And I was like, wow. I was like, he was bitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's messed yeah. up. That's yeah, like way. He, 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 like Bryce, Bryce got it really easy here. Yeah, like we, we didn't, like he didn't get crushed here because he wore a, a Cowboys jersey to to Skins game, or was open, or was, or when he was openly rooting for the Vegas Golden Knights when the Caps were the first team in the area to to make it to a championship game in forever, and oh. and and. And he got the least amount of criticism for it because fans here were like, well, yeah, he's from Vegas. Okay, yeah, I get it, whatever. Yeah, that, that's not going to fly in Philadelphia. We, we let it slide, dude. But, like, let me just state this. How great was it watching the Caps curb stomp the Knights in D.C. while he's wearing that jersey with his hipster glasses that he's wearing and him frowning and scowling the whole time. Like, oh, that was so great. The Caps were up like 5-2. And it's just like, Bryce is like, I'm mad. I'm going to walk out of here in my Vegas Knights jersey. Get out of here, man. Go do some push-ups or something. But, but you know, you, you I, I have respect this, You started this, this whole thing saying, well, I, first I was bitter about Bryce Harper, <laughs> but now I'm not. And then you're like, screw you and your stupid freaking <laughs> gold knight hat, you jerk. Hey, all, all right, I'm sorry. But, like that. but, you know, I have respect for him because you dance with who brung you. And I would have had less. I mean, because, frankly, I know of some people who um, I'm, they'll, they'll, go, they'll remain nameless at this instant. But I was shocked. I mean, you know, this guy professed to be a San Francisco 49ers fan. And then after um, the Seahawks won the championship, this shameless panderer was photographed wearing a uh, Seahawks, uh, you know, number three, the quarterback. He was a jersey oh, for him. Wilson. And I'm like, the hell is this? I said, I thought you were a freaking 49ers fan. He's like, well, I'm an NFL fan. I'm like, huh, let me tell you All something. Right, fam. You ain't never <laughs> wearing the gear for any other teams but the teams that I, I root for. You know, yeah. I mean, I got my Redskins gear. I got my Yankees gear. You know, I mean, yeah, the Nats are, they're a home team. I got a Nats hat. You know, I'll put that on or whatever. But, you know, oh, a Cowboy jersey? Oh, I, I, let me tell you something. I don't care if the Cowboys won the next six Super Bowls. You ain't never going to see me rocking no. their gear. I feel like I would, I would break out on hives if I put on a Cowboys jersey. <laughs> yeah, right. you know. So, so I, I respect the guy who is going to, you know, hey, be uh, boost your quality. Now, I think 
he would have been better advised to not show up to the game wearing the gear. You can root for him, but why are you going to wear the gear when you're like a star player for uh, you know another home team? That right. just frankly seemed kind of disrespect. Now, if you're in Las Vegas, make sure you get a ticket in Las Vegas and go there and wear the gear. You know, yeah. well, what are you doing here at the Cap Center? You know, sorry, the Cap Center. It's like <laughs> same thing. You know, we know what you did. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you know, wait, wait. That, that just that just didn't seem right to me. How know? do you feel about John Wall doing the exact same thing? Because John John Wall is a very like he's a Cowboys fan and he's very open about the fact that he's a Cowboys fan, but he's also been photographed in the last year showing up to Skins games in his number two Skins jersey. Well, I feel like you have to technically play for a Washington sports team for that to matter. Uh, which John Wall hasn't done in the past. <laughs> Don't know the matter. Work that in, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Bradley Beal. Oh no, that guy who's yeah, who's not playing right. <laughs> Breaking news: John Wall just uh, tore his Achilles tendon again from Steve Sickburn. <laughs> He's gonna be out another eighteen months. Son you know? of a bitch. <laughs> um, let's um, let, let's pivot. We'll, we'll do one quick question here. Because I feel like all of us are sports fans, and we can and we can answer this pretty easily, uh, and then we'll move on to our next topic. How kind of nerds and geeks are we talking sports? Hey, <laughs> we be horse whipped. We take we take all kinds here at the Great Geek Refuge. Um, anything you can be geeky or nerdy about, we've all been geeky or nerdy about sports at one point or another. Um, who was the biggest free agent or trade? or retirement or whatever like that your city your team lost a player and it was gut-wrenching to you um if you need a second to 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 stew on this let me know um mc do you have any that come to mind i, I thought you were gonna say got like we 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 were the philly side of this equation well, well you know what let's do that uh, let's start with the one that broke your heart and then we'll go into the one that you were just like oh my god this is gonna be amazing uh hmm Oh wait! All right, I got one. Yeah, yeah. I'll let one. you look. Right, I didn't need to think. It's Joe Gibbs. I, I'll never forget that day. I was in a cab. I was um. I was I was going to a meeting, and it came on the radio that Joe Gibbs had quit, and I, I was like, "What is to become of us?" You know, it was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah. no, what is to become of us?" Because without that guy, I was like, "We're rudderless." And it turned out to be every bit as bad as I had feared. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was it was bad. It was real, real bad. Um, mine was gr- growing up in this area and growing up a, a Washington football fan. Um, I had to have a second team uh, just because otherwise football was going to be miserable to watch. <laughs> and I picked up the New England Patriots um, because of one guy, and his name is Drew Bledsoe. Dude was like he's like six four or six five, just this giant mountain of a man could throw the ball like seven like seventy yards in the air. It was just nuts. Guy had a cannon for an arm. I was like, this guy's awesome. I'm gonna root for this team. I just absolutely fell in love with the guy. I thought he was like the coolest thing ever. He led the Patriots to the Super Bowl. They lose to the the Packers, but I'm still all in for him. And then he gets destroyed by um, Mo Lewis of the uh, New York Jets and shears a blood vessel in his chest. That's how hard he got hit. And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be awful. Hit out of bounds, too, as yeah. I recall. Yeah, it, out of bounds. So it was an illegal hit. But, like, Tom Brady comes in, leads them to an 11-5 and record, leads them to the playoffs. And, like, Brady gets hurt in the AFC Championship against the Steelers. And Bledsoe comes in. 
And I'm like, oh, God, this is like the stuff that legends are written up. And he throws two touchdowns winning the AFC championship for them. I was like, he's going to start the Super Bowl. Turns out he didn't. They traded him to Buffalo. And I was brokenhearted. I was like, no, this wasn't the way it was supposed to be. They were supposed to have loyalty to Bledsoe. Bled, like you said, you go with the person that took you to the dance. Bledsoe took them to this point. If it wasn't for Drew, this team wouldn't have been as good as they were. And, like, it was just watching him wear a Buffalo Bills jersey. It was just disgusting. And, oh, man, that was the worst. It was absolutely worst. And then, on top of that, after he played for the Bills, he went to the goddamn Cowboys. It was just like, what has become of you, Drew? You know, you either die a hero or you see yourself turn to the villain. Like, it was, <laughs> oh, God. It was awful. That was the worst. Um, MC, Steve, you guys got one? Could you uh, refresh uh, ref- refresh my memory with the question? Is it the the big the biggest acquisition and the biggest loss? Well, we're gonna start with we're gonna start with loss, and then we'll go around the table one more time with the biggest acquisition, the one that you were just like biggest oh loss. My God. Yeah. Oh, God. Hmm. I, okay. Mine. Mine is. I have two, and I have a personal connection to one of them. Okay. Um, but I'm gonna stick with the theme of Washington football, and. Um, it's not so bad in in hindsight because of who this team got back, but losing Champ Bailey hurt. Oh yeah, and and and, and I say that not not only as a former Skins fan at the time, but also because his family lived two blocks, or excuse me, two houses down from me. So I knew him, and I was at his draft party when he got drafted to Washington, and. So losing him like sucked because I mean it was used to you know he was in the area I used to my family used to hang out with his I used to see him in the off season sometimes and he was awesome here you know he was he was legitimately awesome here and then I know where they traded him he, wait had he hooked you up at all and he got you in any games uh yeah a couple times oh, when okay, I was younger cool. all right well that cool hey. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I, I have a I have a picture from when I, I think I was like I have to be like ten or eleven, and it's me and Champ just chilling on his grandmother's couch. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, and say some Daryl Green taught him everything he knew. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, he hadn't yeah. played with Daryl Green, he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame right now. I I, I agree one hundred ten percent. I love me some Daryl Green too. Um, but for me, I was like, man, that that sucks. Uh, because he was awesome. Now, I mean, granted, we got Clinton Portis in return, so I mean that. Yeah. That, you know, it kind of it kind of eased the pain a little bit, but it, it still it still kind of sucks seeing. Uh, and I, and you know, when I played when I was younger, I was a defensive player too. Um, so Champ was Champ was also one of my. Even though I, I was more of a linebacker safety, Champ was still someone that I kind of looked up to. I got you. Um, and the the second one that I think, as far as losing. Uh, someone sucks is, uh, and you can all relate to this one too. Uh, RG three blowing his knee out in 2012. Oh God, that was the worst. Oh, and some you, say he never came that, back. He never yeah, did. He yeah, never did. That blow, blowing out his knee, oh. blowing out his knee, and, and, and in fact, you know what? Not even the first one, the Seahawks one, because I was there. And I was there at that game. When they were when they were up fourteen uh, nothing before uh, the hit that ultimately affected the rest of his career. Yeah, that like when I tell you that the you could have heard a pin drop in the stadium uh, once that man hit the ground and was 
clearly not getting back up. Oh, it was yeah. like the the entire energy inside of FedEx was just was just gone. And I mean, granted, we had seen Kirk Cousins in, in limited action earlier that season, and like many of us didn't. We're, we're just like, yeah, there's no chance we win this game now. Zero, zero chance. I, I think all of us are, are missing one, and I didn't even think about this one. Um, the day any Washington football fan was around oh, when we found oh, out actually, that Sean Taylor. Wow, how, yeah. Yeah. How did I forget this? Because none of us want to think about it because it was awful. That's, no, my, favorite, know, that's my favorite I, player. Like, yeah. yeah. I had thought about him, but honestly, and, and you know, I, and not because, frankly, I was really pissed because you know, he had been hurt. And then he yeah. was dead, and it's like, oh well, fuck! Now he's never coming back. Shit, you know. But um, you know that one. How dare he? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you know. Damn you! If you weren't flashing that damn money around, you know. It's, but uh, he hadn't played long enough. That I mean, that as much of a tragedy as that was, that young man had not had enough time to as big an impact as he had had. He hadn't had enough time to make uh, the impact that would have made me like oh i mean sure there was the pain at you know the the tragedy to his family and his girlfriend and you know because that wow now he ain't even gonna marry you now he's dead you know and you don't get nothing because you ain't married to him you know? but uh, also the promise of the career that he could have had you know yeah. if he'd have played another like three four years i mean he might have been able to get into the hall of fame just on that yeah you yeah. know so, um, but yeah, but so as I, all I have to say, as much of a tragedy as that was, it was just he he hadn't been long enough tenured with the team that that one was like, you know, I mean, it was a dagger because he was good. And, you know, I was hurting because he was out, you know, and it was like, damn, dude, you're bit and, and then the other thing, what the hell was he doing down in Florida? You should have been rehabbing at home. Why the hell were you in Florida? Well, he you was know? home. It was just his his Florida home and not, nah, not here. <laughs> he yeah. should have been in the DC area. I mean, been in the DC area. He would, and then it was just crazy. It's like a lucky shot nicks the artery and stuff, femoral artery. I mean, it was actually, it was just a, like a comedy of errors as far as what killed him. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it just a, an inch to the left or the right, and he's just bullet in the thigh. You know, it's like yep. you shot him and you killed him. I mean, it's like all I can say is, and I'm sorry because it ain't Christian, but I hope them dudes that shot him, I hope they are getting fucked left and right in prison, man. I hope they are just used the fuck up, those guys. I hope it's like, oh, yeah, we're wearing your ass out, you know? Jesus. This took a re- very dark turn <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> oh, my God. Quick, Steve. <laughs> Pivot. <laughs> what you... you're, you're talking about? You're talking about Steelers players, not what Yuli's talking about, right? Yes, 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 yes. Want to make sure? Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to follow this. So we're just gonna talk about Steelers players. Well, that that um, or honestly, I thought your first go-to would be as a growing up a Bulls fan because there is no Pittsburgh basketball team i figured it would have been a jordan thing but mm, you're right i didn't even remotely consider that because i thought like i was just thinking home teams oh yeah now i have a whole other thing to talk about i mean like how could i ever get over the loss of joe kim noah <laughs> 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 and the, and the um, man bun yeah. yeah um 
No, uh, there's a couple honorable mentions for the Steelers. Like, nobody knew that we used to have Mike Rabel, who played for the Patriots and won a whole bunch of Super Bowls with them. But, and, and, and hey, really? Yeah, 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 we drafted him. We had him for like a year or two, I think. And then he ended up signing with the Patriots and just stayed there forever after and won three Super Bowls. And now he coaches, what, the Titans, I think? Uh, anyway, yeah, he's a and then like the San Antonio Holmes is kind of an honorable mention for me because it's like, he literally had the worst off season going from, you know, Super Bowl MVP and then not too much longer, not on the team because of his, you know, what was a bar fight or whatever. He like smashed a glass on somebody's face or something. Yeah, he was Man. a he was a mess. Yeah. Yeah. And like he was really good. I mean, like even before we won that Super Bowl, like he was really good for us. But for me personally, um when I was growing up and first like really getting into the Steelers and everything, like I loved watching their receiver Yancey Thigpen play. And I remember going to training camp, getting a, like a Jersey signed by him and Bill Cower. Like, man, I just loved watching him and, and losing him to free agency was a little tough. And then that's like my return of the Jedi answer. The empire strikes back, like correct answer is Rod Woodson for the Steelers. Like, I mean, hall of famer, consummate you know pro bowl dude leaves the Steelers because we don't give him the contract he wants he ends up playing for the Ravens and wins their freaking Super Bowl with them in 2000 and then you know he plays a little bit of time in Oakland whatever he makes it to that Super Bowl they lost to the the box the, the John Gruden Bowl but um man that one that one was like the correct answer because it's like he's probably one of the best defensive players in a super long history of amazing defensive players he's definitely like on our you know all history team or whatever yeah nah and then just a couple years later ends up freaking winning a super bowl with our arch nemesis like that one stinks yeah yeah that one I, i forgot one um with no washington dc baseball team for a very very long time the orioles were my or were my go-to and Ripken Cal Ripken was my hero and that dude was never leaving Baltimore let's be honest like but they had a stud pitcher in Mike Mussina and Mussina was their ace he was the guy and like I wanted him to be an Oriole for life like he I just he would have broken all the records he would have just been the man and then for him to sign with the Yankees they didn't value him, though. I know they, they The didn't. Yankees were courting him, you yeah. know? I mean, and it was like, wow. I mean, I understand, you know, Messina would be at home and the phone would ring and his wife was like, Paul O'Neill is on the phone, Mike, you know? <laughs> and it's like, wow. You know, I mean, they, they valued him. They wanted him. I, I couldn't understand why. You're right. He was he was the O's ace. Why didn't they want him? I mean, that's damn. Because An- yeah. because Peter Angelos is a horrible owner. That's why. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only way to describe it. It's That was bad. Um, I want to... Okay, so this has become a very sports-heavy episode, which is fine. I'm cool with this. We can talk about all those other topics some other time. Um, what was the one, Steve, that, like, when your team signed, whether whatever team it may be, when they signed a free agent or they, they got a guy in the draft, you were just like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be the dude. And whether it panned out or not, it doesn't matter. It's just at the time you were like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. Oh, that's a different question that I was prepared for. I was prepared for, like, the best – like acquisition which i think in my opinion was the trade for jerome bettis okay um yeah but i mean i think like everyone in the city kind of knew Sidney crosby was special from the moment we got him like the moment we drafted him i think everyone was kind of like 
we found this generation's Lemieux because uh, he had kind of a pretty large shadow looming over like Pittsburgh hockey history. Um, so I think that was kind of universally recognized. Like even as good as like Big Ben ended up being like no one really thought he was going to be as good as he was or even take over as quickly as he did or whatever. Uh, I mean, we've had so many like talented skill positions and stuff, but they take time to develop. Um, and then obviously with baseball, I mean, like you draft a dude and then you don't really hear about him for a couple of years typically. Uh, so that was the first one where you're like, as soon as you drafted him, you're like, all right, I think we got something here. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great one. Um, MC, you ready for this or you want me to uh, skip you and we'll come back? Uh, skip, uh, skip me real quick. Okay. I've got I've got a few, um, but Yuli, uh, I'll let you go first, man. You got one? Okay, yeah, I do actually. And um, you know, I, I had to think about this for a second. But Jim Lachey was the guy that I was excited about them acquiring. Now, when you, you threw it open, when you said, "Oh, who are you excited about? Who may not have panned out?" But yeah, Jim Lachey. Uh, you know, you may not remember him, but he was a left tackle. We got him in a trade for Jay fact, Schrader. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like, so it was even better, man. Giving up freaking Schrader. Cause by that time it was like, good riddance, dude, get the fuck out of here. You know? Uh, but yeah, to get one of the best left tackles in the game, anchored the left side of the Redskins line for a number of years after that, you know, we won a championship with him. And I was excited because I was like, oh, damn, look at this guy. I mean, and he was he was big. He, he looked kind of like Superman. He was all buff and, you know, clean cut and stuff. I mean, it was, oh, and he was good. You never saw him get beat. Never saw him. And by that time, Big Jake, excuse me, Joe Jacoby, had gotten kind of old. And, uh, you know, but hey, he just moved to left guard, you know, and it was like, oh, you can't play tackle no more, but you can play guard. And now the left side of our line is really good because big ass Joe Jacoby and, you know, Jim Lachey. And it was great. And he was every bit as he was advertised. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great one. Um, MC, you got one yet, man? Are you still working on it? Uh, yeah, I was I was trying to see I was trying to think uh, if I could think of someone for each team. Okay. How about, how about um, since we're for since each, we're both local team? Yeah, but, I mean we can tag team that one but, if you want. Well, I, I t- let me throw this in because sure. uh, the guy that I had been excited about for the um, Wizards absolutely didn't pan out. <laughs> you know, and it was uh, I can't even think his number five. He was like a Juan high Howard. No, 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 Kwame no, no. Brown. Kwame Brown. Oh God! Michael oh, Jordan's God. baby. Yes. His his his, and, his pick. Yes, and let me tell you something about Kwame Brown. <laughs> Little known fact about this guy: he was really, really stupid. Okay, <laughs> so uh, I, I happen to know this because um, I worked for several years at a um, apartment <laughs> building down in Penn Quarter. It was two blocks away from the arena, okay? And I was talking to the concierge there, delightful woman. And, uh, cause you know, we were uh, extended stay and furnished and all this real class A fancy building. In fact, it was two it was two months working there before I could even tell people the prices with a straight face. Anyway, we at one point had a number of Wizards players living in the building because of the close proximity to the sports arena. And Kwame Brown was one of them. And the concierge, 
related to me uh, a, a story when because he was I guess he was newly signed or whatever and so he was asking well how do I get to the arena from here and she's like oh you just go out this door and walk two blocks down the street and evidently this kid could not figure out how to get there she was finally you know what follow me <laughs> and she had to walk him <laughs> down there and I'm like how do you because th- it was on it was on 7th street it was literally you had to make no turns except the turn out the door to the building and then you walk until you see the sign you know that says you know MCI center or whatever the hell it was called at the time and i'm like how did he and i kept asking her how could he not know how to get to the arena you know oh but kwame Ame, Ame brown <laughs> special <laughs> <laughs> that guy oh all right <laughs> all right mc go ahead <laughs> okay uh i mean the obvious choice i feel like if we're because of some recency bias would be the rg3 trade or sure. the yeah. trade to, to get him because again there was n- I, I don't think we've seen any other suit any other player for any other team locally generate the excitement that this area had going into that 2012 season. Um, But I will, aside from that, I I will actually go with the opposite of the one I mentioned earlier, which was getting Clinton Portis because he became a staple for those Washington teams from, what was that, 2005, I believe? In fact, actually, I'll, I'll make it two players. Uh, getting both Clinton Portis and Santana Moss. Oh, dude! Because, yeah. because etched in my memory forever will be the Monday Night Miracle. Oh, God, those two touchdowns. And the fact, oh. and the fact that listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm not proud of it, but I will admit, I went to sleep. <laughs> I oh, went hey. to sleep. I went to sleep. I, and I went to sleep right before that first Santana touchdown. Yeah, I went Brooks, to sleep right before it. Brooks, I, 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 I turned it off. I was awake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I turned it off. It was like it was only thirteen nothing, but it was like this. <laughs> like this is insur- this is insurmountable for them. It, they have, it, they, it, if if I remember like correctly, loss in a row to them. We had been losing to them for five years straight. Yep. Not to mention, if I remember, that was the year they didn't. Even, they hadn't even scored an offensive touchdown until that until that first Santana touchdown. They had beaten Miami the first week, I think, like nine to seven on three field goals. But they hadn't scored an offensive touchdown prior to Santana Moss. Mm-hmm. So there was literally no nothing redeemable about that game. Yep. And so I went to bed. Yep. It, it wasn't until I swear, like maybe thirty minutes later. Where I hear jumping and thumping, sounding like elephants are bowling in my in 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 the living room, and my mother come just comes in my room, just shakes me awake, and it's like they won, they won the game, they won, and I'm like, who, who, what, what? Because <laughs> you knew she wasn't yeah. talking about the Redskins. Yeah, I was, I was like, I, I've, I've no idea who, who's playing. Wow. That's awesome. And then yeah, I, t- I turned it on. I turned it on, and they were. Uh, I saw them give uh, Joe Gibbs the uh, the Gatorade shower or the Gatorade uh, bath, and yeah, and, and I, I think I think getting both of those two players because that was around the time that I was really getting into football too. That like my early fandom was really shaped around watching them those two. I mean, and Sean Taylor while he, the the brief time that he was here. Yeah. But especially watching those two because they gave us so many great 
moments from those 2000 teams. I mean, yeah. you have Clint Portis's. Was poor, yeah, that was Portis's first year with Washington. Yeah, yeah you have uh, Portis's 64-yard run on the on his first play. Uh, you have Santana Moss with uh, his uh, the the Monday Night Miracle. Uh, Clint Portis has had a couple. He's had a bunch of a bunch of different moments. Uh, I, I remember Santana Moss's catch against Jacksonville in overtime. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which <laughs> which which was also crazy. So I mean, for me, I think acquiring those because I, I have no idea how good those two teams would have been if if uh, excuse me those teams would have been if they had not acquired Clinton Portis. Yeah. And Santana oh, excuse Moss. me. You mean how bad they would have been? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. How bad they would have been? Oh, so yeah. oh, hey, wait. You I, don't I, think Mark Brunel could have carried them? You don't think Mark Brunel's got the guts, the goods? <laughs> hey, hey l- let me just throw this in because you know, Brooks brought that up. And you know, no shame on you, man, because people in your house were still watching it. I was the only one who had been watching it in my house, and I turned it off because I didn't want to see them lose to the Cowboys for like a tenth yeah. time in a row or whatever in the hell it was. And uh, before I went to bed, I decided to check on ESPN just to see what the final score had been. And when you could have not – when I was like I, – I was like – Wait, 14 to 13? What? We won? Oh, shit. And I ran back to the TV and turned it on, and I watched all the post-game coverage. And I'm so glad now that I wasn't watching because I would have woken everybody in the house up screaming. Just like, you know, you heard the screaming and thumping. I would have been over the moon if I'd actually seen that live. And I might have given myself a damn heart attack. So I can tell you exactly what it's like to be that guy. Because during the Steelers playoff game, where we basically like tricked the Bengals into giving us 30 free penalty yards in that game, we had no (laughs) business winning. I was over at my wife's parents' place. She was asleep on the couch. And I'm the guy like, I don't care if we're losing like 49 to nothing. I'll watch till the clock hit zeros. Her parents are in bed. They had given up at that point and everything. And then you know, all this nonsense started happening and I'm like freaking out and I'm like, Ken, get out of here. You got to watch it in this game. You know, I'm like just waking people up in the house screaming like an idiot. And then, you know, <laughs> grabbing pots freaking, and pans, smashing them. Oh together. my God. I mean, yeah, you would have thought like we were getting like, you know, nuked by the North Koreans or something the way I was screaming. I mean, it was a playoff game, guys. Come on. You, you get it. Oh yeah. Now let me just interject this because I understand, you know, and I know you didn't mean anything personal by it. But being the guy that'll watch till it's double zeros no matter what's happening has worked out a lot better for you being a fan of the Steelers than it has for me as a fan of the Redskins. And let me tell you something. I have doggedly watched two double zeros a whole lot. I was just tired of it that night. I'm like, you know what? If y'all going to lose to your arch rivals again. I mean, because my, my son was born in 1996. Now, at that point... During his entire lifetime, the freaking Cowboys had been beating us. You know, now my kid, he was too young to know, and but I knew. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> during his entire lifetime, I had never seen the Redskins beat them. And there had been some ones where it looked like we were going to win, sprint out to an early lead, and then only to lose. I mean, you know, the Redskins were finding so many ways. So, so I just want to say, I have been that guy. And I just could not endure another one of those. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, yeah, you, that I'm starting to think it was him. Where's He's like, I'm watching all these games. I'm watching till zeros and we lose every time. 
the one game he doesn't watch, yeah. the Redskins win that they, game in a miracle. It was on you, dude. Coincidence? Yeah. I mean, I don't think so. I play better when I'm not watching. <laughs> I've noticed it. And sometimes that, when they're losing, I'll turn it off <laughs> deliberately to see if I can help them. <laughs> that, and that that is literally every Skins fan in the area. We all feel – we listen, they can be up – I. I, I remember in 2007 when they blew out the 49ers 52 to 10 and it didn't matter that they were up 52 to 10 in the fourth quarter we're still like well we don't know what's going to happen there's still time left that one I knew we had <laughs> because, in the bag <laughs> yeah. well yeah but I mean like it, it, it it's like no matter how big a lead is for, for the skins it, it, it always feels like well you know it's there's still enough time and still enough freak stuff that can happen where they can get the other team can get back into it and they can somehow lose this game. Well, yeah, young man, let me just say that I, I, I've had it go both ways. I remember a game back in uh, 1982, actually, uh, where they came from behind to beat the L.A. Raiders. And, uh, you know, the Raiders were really good. This was the year that we ended up meeting them in the Super Bowl and they blew us out. But during the regular season, we came from behind to beat them. And, you know, so I've, I've seen big wins. I've seen losses. I've seen, you know, it's only in like recent years since Joe Gibbs left, you know, and hey, there were some games when Joe Gibbs was there. I remember a game against uh, Philly. We jumped out to a big lead and, but then the Eagles kept chipping away and chipping away and ended up winning that game. You know, it was really jacked up because we had Ernest Biner and, uh, you know, I mean, all these guys. And it was like, wow, you know, I mean, so, but I, I you know, the, the experience you have with a team informs you about how they do. And frankly, we've seen more losing than winning recently to where I absolutely understand and sympathize. So with, I'll go into mine because that'll work perfectly with what we're talking about, the recency of the Washington football franchise. There was a time when all, every single fan was screaming at the top of their lungs, oh my God, Dan Snyder, don't sign the big name free agent. Just don't do it. Stop screwing this team up. Like We don't need the big flashy picks. Build through the draft. Build through savvy trades, not through the big flashy names. And then all of a sudden, Chip Kelly decided that he wanted to be a butthole and cut every single good player that was on the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> and he cut Deshaun Jackson. And I remember going on to social media and, and saying, Dan Snyder, I know what I've said in the past. I know I've told you not to go after big flash <laughs> free agents. But this time, this time I want you to forget all that stuff that I said. I want you to go get DJX. Get DJX today. We need this guy. We need him. And they got him, and it was everything that I could have hoped. Because those teams, yep. could they have been better? Yeah, absolutely, they could have been better. But because of him, they were in contention. Like, he, he yep. gave them a deep play threat that they didn't have, and they still haven't replaced. And, like... Yeah. He got Garcon open on a bunch of plays. Oh, God, yeah, yeah did he ever. Absolutely. Yeah. He was. You I, know, he literally opened it up for every – if it wasn't for the threat of him going deep because, I mean, if there's if there's any one thing to be good at in the NFL, it's, it's being able to run fast and get open deep. He he opened it like that, that 2015 year. If you remember, I think he, he was hurt early, right? Yeah. And then he played yeah, yeah. and then he, he got healthy – Right around the time that they they went on that that run to uh, and Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, looked good 
Yeah. I say that in quotations. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> tricked us all. But, but, but I don't think that's a, I don't think that's any uh, any coincidence that Deshaun gets healthy. Kirk Cousins suddenly doesn't look awful. <laughs> Deshaun Jackson has a way of making a lot of quarterbacks look real, real good. I mean, okay? I mean, I mean, he grant. I mean, I mean, you can make a highlight reel of, of how many balls Kirk threw him that he had to adjust. Uh, he caught one against the Eagles where he was clearly running inside wide open, beat the guy by like three yards. Kirk throws it outside in the opposite direction, leads him right back into the defender he catches it. Defender fall, slides right off him, and he runs backwards into the end zone. Oh, like, yeah. That was a great one. Um, the other one, I'm going to do each sport, too. Um, when Wash, when the Nationals, from 2005 until, I'm trying to remember what year they signed Worth. I think it was 11, 2011 or 2010. But up until that point, they were they were a joke. They, they were a garbage fire. They were just awful. They were not a good baseball team. But they were an expansion team, more or less. They had to build from the ground up because they had been ignored and, and forgotten in Montreal for years. They get to D.C., they suck. And Jason Wirth is a free agent, and he signs with the Nationals. Now, Jason Wirth is—I don't really would say—I don't think it's safe to say that he's not going to ever be an all-star. I don't think he was all-star caliber— baseball player but he was good he was smart he had attitude and like a lot of reporters will say that it was a bad attitude um not the nicest dude in the world but they needed that kind of swagger and it and if it wasn't for him you wouldn't have been able to get other free agents that would really come to this come to dc I think he was the cornerstone in building what you have now a decent franchise because you were able to bring in players on uh, in free agency who were like well shoot if worth is going there then yeah okay this may not be a bad place to play oh they just built a new stadium too oh snap let's go check like they started building momentum from there now granted they were also building a great franchise through a draft and through uh the minor leagues but like i think that jason worth was the one that changed everything and i remember them signing him and i was like i'm actually excited about this i really want to go see this guy play and that was also the year that we got strasburg too so like it was it was a several. It, it all. It was all snowball from there. Um, days. Yeah, and and Jason Worth like had it's to this day still the biggest home run in Nationals history. That home run. Oh in the, yeah. Oh yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah. That that's still like that call. That radio call still gives me goosebumps listening to that. <laughs> um, After from being a sweet. Yeah. When, when it talk when we talk about um, hockey, Steve mentioned when. Pittsburgh drafted Sidney Crosby that everybody kind of knew that he was special here in DC when they drafted Alex Ovechkin the caps were bad they were really bad and all of us have seen these European players before uh, one of them in particular Yaramir Yager that we threw a ass load of money at who showed up took his money and didn't do squat for whatever reason it was we, then, we told him not to do well for you oh, I appreciate it <laughs> We, we all, I don't know about all of us, but a lot of us were like, this Ovechkin kid, I don't know. We're all gun shy. And boy, did he prove us all wrong in that first season. Like, as a rookie, 40, 40 goals in his, it might have been 50 in his rookie season. But like, right now, he has more 40 goal seasons than any NHL player in history. He has more 40 goal seasons than Wayne Gretzky. 
The guy has not only lived up to every ounce of hype, he brought a championship to this city. He is just like, he is beloved. Alex Ovechkin could walk out on Chinatown right now, pull his pants down, and instead of getting arrested for public indecency, they would laugh and be like, ha that's Ovi, look at him, showing his butt cheeks to everybody. Like, Ovi can do no wrong in this city. And like, rightfully so. I just that was the biggest move in 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 Washington sports history of recent. I feel drafting him and seeing him him come to fruition. Um, as far as the basketball team, for me the biggest the biggest acquisition was seeing Michael Jordan say, you know what, being an executive is cool, but you know it'd be really cool playing basketball again. Now, granted, he was not the Michael Jordan of old. Yeah, <laughs> but that was still that was still pretty cool, you know. Like to have a legend come play for your garbage team, like because the Wizards are garbage. <laughs> let's be honest, okay? Like we all yeah. know they're garbage. It was just really they're cool. They're our garbage, though. Yeah, they're exactly they're our garbage. They're our they're our mess. They're they're our yeah, disaster. <laughs> exactly, they're our bums. Exactly. Bums, yeah. Yeah. Um, those are. Those are my those are my picks. Like I, I just I, I remember being excited for for all of those. Um, and you you were right on uh, his first season. He had fifty two goals per season. Man, I mean, uh, I mean, these first couple years honestly are, are insane. I mean, fifty two his first year, forty six his second year, sixty five his third year. 56 and then 50 before 65 goals, 65 goals in 82 (laughs) games. I mean, yeah. And and like, that's his first five years right there. Yeah. He didn't hit third. He then hit 32, which is the lowest. Yeah. The lowest of, of his career so far. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, 32 was in a strike shortened season too. Yeah. Yeah. 2010. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I got to say too, like a lot of, a lot of sports fans, especially when it comes to their rivals are like, Oh, they're the worst and they suck and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. Like I, I begrudge, I actually love the, the penguins because they're good. And that sounds weird because you want your rivals to be bad for some reason. No, I, I completely disagree. I want my rival to be as good as they possibly can because when my team does win, it makes it that much sweeter. And like, I love the fact that Crosby and Ovi are neck and neck in points like it, we're talking like I think they're both like over 1200 points right now in their careers um, o- Ovi has like an ass load more goals but um, uh, Crosby is a different kind of player he's more an assist guy and yeah Ovi just... has like 180 more goals and Crosby has like 200 more assists exactly so, yeah. so like it like I think the point differentials like I mean at least from what I'm seeing right now online it's six points different yeah Exactly. Like, it, it's just awesome seeing two players in their prime as rivals against each other. This is like, this is like magic versus um, bird, bird level, you know, like that kind of thing. Two great athletes at the same time that are massive rivals with each other. And like, it just, it makes the sport better. It makes the games better. Like, it's, it's awesome. It's like one of those rivalries where they like hate each other. But then in 10 years, there's going to be some new kid in town and they're going to have to team up 
and take them on. <laughs> or Expendable like, style. <laughs> or like 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 15, 15 years from now, like the NHL network will have like a sitcom. It's like Ovi and Sydney, and they like live in an apartment together. Like like Crosby's the clean one, and Ovi's the messy one. Exactly. Because of course right? they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ovi, you left the seat up again. Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I wanted to throw in uh, just because we're talking about sports um, and I feel like, hey, why not? Let's just mention this. But, um, Mike, I understand that uh, the uh, girls basketball team from your former high school yeah, they did. Uh, won state championship. They sure did. Won a six state championship, man. Not only that, the, their head coach um, was in my Algebra 2 trig class in uh, my sophomore year. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Tamika Dudley. Yeah, like it was. It, it's so cool. Like, and there's just such an awesome story behind that. So, the head coach of the the former head coach of the basketball team, uh, Coach Washington, um, brought on Tamika as one of his assistant coaches after she graduated high school. I mean, she graduated high school. She went on to college, played college ball, came back to the area, um, was doing some other things, and became an assistant coach. And Coach Washington had a heart attack on the court uh this is like 2011 2012 and she actually performed cpr on him and i mean you know whether that that kept him alive or not they say it did but like he had to pass the reins to her and she became the head coach and they they took their lumps for a few years and she really helped build this team and he was there at the game to watch them win the state championship and it was just like it, it was just incredible like it was it was so cool to see a story like that from my from my hometown, like Woodbridge High School, like literally my house was that I grew up in was like right behind the football field in the like behind the there's the football field. There's a little stretch of woods. And then my house is right there. Like you could hear the football games at night um, in the uh, in the fall um, from from the deck on uh, the back uh, the back deck of my house. So like that school I mean, it's it was my school, and then like it's part of who I was, and it was just so awesome to see such an awesome story like that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why. That's pretty that's rad. Why I, that's why. I mean, I didn't know all that stuff. <laughs> but well, I figured you I didn't. Thought it was cool, you know. I wanted yeah. I wanted to add some some texture to it. So. Mm-hmm. No, no, and I, I'm saying Manny's I, high school I'm, basketball coach yeah. married one of his players. <laughs> 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 oh, that's not awkward. <laughs> it's also not false. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, we don't have time for any geeky stuff. <laughs> nah, nah. I mean, well, we've been we've been going hard at this for for almost two hours now. We'll we'll save because um, MC. I know that you finished uh, Punisher season two, correct? Yep. Yuli, have you finished season two of Punisher? Uh, I have not. Okay, we'll see. There you go. Because now what we're doing is we're teasing for the next episode. We'll talk about Punisher Season 2, and hopefully you can get a chance to watch the rest of it. And Steve, I mean, you do what you want, dude, because you never listen anyways. Um, It took you, what, two years to download Spotify? Yeah, I'm an old man. (laughs) (laughs) I I kept telling him, I was like, hey, dude, you should download Spotify so we can share these playlists with each other. And he's like, I don't know how to do that. I'm like... Steve, you literally have set up your own VPNs. You, you created your own video game system on a Raspberry Pi. Like, you know how to use technology, and you're like, ah, phones and young kids and rock music. Ah. I can't figure out your new fangled internets. 
Um, I think I think we can we can come back to that one. We'll we'll talk about uh, the Punisher the, the next go round. Um, but Yuli, give us a little plug, man. What you got coming up on a Fantastic Forum here? Oh well, uh, tomorrow we are going to be talking about Captain Marvel, and uh, you know there's the official Fantastic Forum review that, of course, you can also listen to on the Great Geek Refuge as a podcast. But we're going to be playing the review. We're going to be talking about the movie. Uh, I've got a wonderful panel that includes Shireen Nicole and um, uh, Drew Bittner, uh, as well as uh, Philip Jean Pierre, and uh, we are gonna we're we, we're we're going we're going to chew it up, man. We're going to chew it up because uh, you know latest greatest movie from uh, Marvel, and everybody's got some you know big opinions. Uh, you know, by tomorrow we should have some idea of the kind of business it's going to do. Um, still a little bit early. Uh, early, early projections for the movie had been uh, close to 200 million. Those were revised down after some of the negative publicity. But it should still uh, probably take in over 100 million in the opening weekend. So um, you know, we're we're very excited to be talking about that. 4 p.m. tomorrow on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington. And you can stream it via the website at WERA.FM, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There we go. Good stuff. Um, MC Brooks, what was it like getting to see a movie uh, two days before it actually released? I felt like I did an awesome con last year. Like I felt like a big deal. Felt fancy. <laughs> right? Like a celebrity. Like, you are fancy. Yeah. Like, it felt really, it just felt, it just felt really cool. And I mean, my theater, my theater wasn't even like it wasn't even crowded. I was kind of surprised, but I mean, it felt it felt awesome, you know. That's that is cool, man. It is always cool when you get to feel like you're a big deal for for even just a just a two to three hour movie. That's always uh, always a cool thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, guys, we will be back at you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, which really doesn't apply when it's a podcast. Where you can listen to it whenever you want, but still. I never get to say that. And Yuli says that at the end of every Fantastic Forum, so I wanted to say that too. So. <laughs> jealous. Just a little bit jealous. Um, guys, every day I check our website um, and I look at the results. Um, and I'm, I'm astounded every single time that people take time out of their day to listen to our shenanigans and chicanery. They read our website. Uh, they read the articles. Um, it, it's awesome. It's humbling. It's it's fantastic that there are people out there that like to listen to us ramble on about nonsense. Just thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for patronizing our website. Um, we certainly appreciate it. And for all of us here at GGR Pirate Radio, so that would be Steve Monick, that would be MC Brooks, our, our guest tonight, Ulysses E. Campbell. We've also got a frequent contributor, Mr. James Rambo. We've got Vic Azim. We've got uh, Zombie Ben. Uh, we've got Andy Barsh, who's just doing amazing things with his comic book art right now. Um, we've got newcomer Seagats. Uh, Hopefully we'll have him on some more podcasts here soon. But from all of us here at GGR, thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you the next time around on the next episode of GGR Pirate Radio. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website greatgeekrefuge.com for more podcasts and our awesome articles.
has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.